Good morning, everyone. It is uh, just a, a minute early. We'll come back in just a moment to to get started with Bible study, but I wanted to get the podcast going here to see if we can get the broadcast started. Work on a little bit of uh, housekeeping here real quick, see if I can get our audio going. How are you today? Don't know if anybody's joined just yet, but release that there. Do a test here for our audio. Audio looks good, okay. Hey, good morning. It is time for Bible Study Live, and I am so glad that you are gonna join us this morning. Join me in studying God's Word. It is Thursday morning at 11, and unless there's a, a, a change in, in schedule because of a funeral or something I have to do, I always try to keep Thursday morning at 11 for Bible study, and I'm glad you're studying with us. So whether you're studying today, right now live, or whether you come online later and watch the video, I'm just thankful that you're joining me. Uh, this this ministry is really about the deep study of God's Word. And there's Sylvia. Thank you, Sylvia. It's so good to see you. And I want to invite everyone who joins the broadcast at whatever point you join in, feel free to say hello, type, type a message on there. That way I know who's who's joining in. And I want to invite you to, I, I, keep, I say this every week and very rarely get any questions. I know it's a difficult thing to just dialogue, and, and I may easily miss the question, but uh, I, I just like to to try and follow it as best I can here. I, I would, was hoping to be able to see the broadcast both online as well as on my phone and read any thoughts or comments you have there, but it just doesn't seem to, uh, it doesn't seem to be able to do that. For some reason, I can never get the page to show up on my computer, so not sure why that is, but uh, anyway, I'll do my best to always read your comments. I want to just always invite you to have comments right here on the Bible study. Uh, make it an interactive learning experience. Um, so, and even if I don't get to the comments while we're live, I promise I will read them later and I will answer them. So questions that you might have about studying, you know, like we would if we were in a classroom, which is a whole different thing today. Uh, since we don't have, you know, some couple of times some people have commented that maybe I should use Zoom. And then, of course, we're talking live back and forth. But the challenge with Zoom is it just doesn't open it up to anyone in the world. And there's some people all over the world that have, that have been able to tune into this. Um, and Sylvia has the same problem with Facebook. And I, I don't know why that is. I'm going to my Brad Riley Ministries Facebook page on my laptop and I'm thinking I should, I should just see it. There I see it streaming now. I had to get out of it and then get back in. Maybe that's the secret. So I see it streaming there now, and I'm, I'm just hoping that I can, uh, I can actually be able to see the comments eventually. So uh, I'm going to turn the volume down because I can actually hear it now. So let's turn that down all the way. So maybe, Sylvia, try and interact a little. Say one more question or thought. And I'll see if it pops up on my laptop because I'm not seeing it yet. And let's see if we can get there. Ah, there it is. Okay, I see it over to the side. You haven't put a new one on there yet, but I just figured out where it is. So, hey, we're good to go. I think I can actually see your comments better today and uh, questions. So with that, uh, do you have a cup of coffee? It is... Uh, there we are. Yes, I can see it. Enjoying Wednesday evening. Oh, thank you. You're enjoying Wednesday evening prayers. We got a new router in the sanctuary. The old router was down in the office, uh, the other end of the building from the church. And so Monday, Wheat State, I'll give a little plug for Wheat State Technologies. They seem to be a wonderful customer service oriented company came out and got us all set up. So last night, I think streaming went well. Still working on audio. There's some audio challenges. One of my friends there in the church 
is uh, called me today and said, hey, I've got some ideas on how to work on the audio. So we're hoping to get the audio even improved more. Uh, it's a little, little bit challenging, but but I'm glad you're watching and praying with us, uh, trying to do a little bit of, of just some beautiful, classic evening prayer, Vespers service at 6.30, followed by uh, some time of study of the scripture. So glad you're joining us. I want to invite anyone who's watching this anytime. You can join us on Wednesday evenings at 6.30, right here on this Brad Rally Ministries page. I broadcast the services live from the Udall United Methodist Church. That's in Udall, Kansas. And uh, so that's Wednesdays at 6.30, Sunday mornings at 9.30. And I uh, would love to have you join along. And the same is true there. You know, I'm doing the worship service, so I can't just answer. But if you put some comments or prayer requests or anything, we'll definitely be able to follow up with you when the service is over and make sure that, uh, that we appreciate your being on there and get you the answers you need and the prayers that you need. Well, this morning we're going to be, I hope you have a cup of coffee. I have mine. Let me take a sip here. This morning it is Southern Pecan Coffee from the Spice Merchant. Love Southern Pecan. And you know, as I drink Southern Pecan, Pecan, but in our Texas language, it's Pecan, uh, it just I'm reminded that I have been missing my favorite coffee for a really long time now. My favorite coffee is uh, is the taste of San Antonio, and you can only buy it from H E B, the grocery store chain out of Texas, H E B, and uh, it's their own private roast, and it is so good. And I haven't had any for a very long time, so I need to get online and just order some. But uh, I've been enjoying the fun, fresh grinds at the Spice Merchant. But there's a, this, this just kind of has a little hint of reminding me of the taste of San Antonio there. But uh, so, hey, if you have yours and we're getting ready to, to begin this morning, I want to invite you to get your prayer cards out uh, before we actually start the study of Scripture. And we want to pray together. We always want to pray for God to just open our minds to, as the prayer says, to illumine our hearts uh, Cindy, thanks for joining us. Good to see you on here. This prayer talks about God illumine our hearts. That's what we want. This study is not about me or my thoughts. I'm just opening the Word of God and, and doing some research in the in the uh, in the ancient church fathers as well as the actual Greek and, and just trying to bring uh, bring a deep meaning to the text to look just beyond the surface of the text and. And just really talking out loud with you about it. Um, so I want you to be able to dialogue with me if you can. But let's pray. Always pray before we begin the study of Scripture. So if you don't have a prayer card, they are in the photos. Click on photos on Brad Rally Ministries page and there's a JPEG of it. The prayer before the study of Scripture. Let us pray. Illumine our hearts, O Master, lover of all humanity, with the pure light of your divine knowledge. Open the eyes of our hearts that we may understand your gospel teachings. Implant deep within us the fear of your blessed commandments, that through them we may conquer all carnal desires and may be transformed to live both thinking and doing the things that are pleasing to you. For you, O Lord, are the light of our souls and bodies, and unto you we give all glory and praise, together with our Father, who is from everlasting, and the all-holy good and life-creating Spirit, now and ever and unto ages of ages. Amen. Thank you for praying that prayer with me. Um, today, as we look at Luke chapter 4, we're going to finish the chapter. Uh, this is part 3 of Luke chapter 4. And as we do, we're really looking into the miracles that we're, Luke is beginning to show us the various miracles of Jesus as he begins to, to take us into that middle part of his gospel that is centered on the teachings and the ministry of Jesus. We're going to be following Jesus uh, all around Galilee and Judea and seeing him work miracles. And I want you to bear this thought in mind. When we talk about the miracles of Jesus... What we're really talking about is his display and his teaching of his power 
and authority. The miracles of Jesus are given to us to demonstrate his power and his authority. And we see that in this very passage this morning. As we're going to read, that's exactly what is noticed by the people. So I'm going to begin with verse 31 and we'll read through the end of the chapter. And then we'll stop and talk and study. And he went down to Capernaum, a city of Galilee, and he was teaching them on the Sabbath. And they were astonished at his teaching, for his word was with authority. And in the synagogue there was a man who had the spirit of an unclean demon. And he cried out with a loud voice, Ah! What have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. But Jesus rebuked him, saying, Be silent and come out of him. And when the demon had thrown him down in the midst, he came out of him, having done him no harm. And they were all amazed and said to one another, What is this word? For with authority and power he commands the unclean spirits, and they come out. And reports of him went out into every place in the surrounding region. And he arose and left the synagogue, and he entered Simon's house. Now Simon's mother-in-law was ill with a high fever, and they besought him for her. And he stood over her and rebuked the fever, and it left her. And immediately she rose and served them. Now when the sun was setting, all those who had, who had any that were sick with various diseases brought them to him, and he laid his hands on every one of them and healed them. And demons also came out of many, crying, You are the Son of God. But he rebuked them and would not allow them to speak, because they knew that he was the Christ. And when it was day, he departed and went into a lonely place, and the people sought him and came to him, and they would have kept him from leaving. But he said to them, I must preach the good news of the kingdom of God to the other cities also, for I was sent for this purpose. And he was preaching in the synagogues of Judea. Let's, uh, there ends the reading of God's word. Thanks be to God. Beverly, thanks for joining us this morning. This, this is just an amazing passage of, of Scripture. Anytime we read about the miracles of Jesus, it's, it's just an amazing passage. And I, I want us to try and kind of enter into, and Anwar has joined us. Anwar, thanks for, for joining. Thanks. I'm glad to see you on here. I want to try and invite you to enter into, as much as we can 2,000 years later, to enter into the, the time and the atmosphere and what was happening in, in Jesus' teaching. Now, he's in Galilee, okay? Remember, he was in Nazareth last week in our study, and he goes to Capernaum. Now, Capernaum, at Nazareth was up in the hills. Capernaum is a, is a city, a fishing village, just right off the end of the Sea of Galilee. So he's down from the hills, down at kind of lakeshore level, and really close to the sea. And it's also a very uh, a hub of activity. The fishing village, it's kind of a, a place, uh, a center of commerce for the Galilean area. It becomes kind of Jesus' home base. We know that if you ever go to Capernaum, to go to Israel and you go to visit, when you enter the ruins there at Capernaum, you see a sign that says, Kafarnahum, which is what it is in Hebrew, Kafarnahum, which actually means the home of Nahum. So Nahum, or Nahum, which was the prophet in the Old Testament. So we believe that's where he came from. And so uh, it says, Welcome to Kafarnahum, the hometown of Jesus. Now we know Jesus was born in Bethlehem, raised in Nazareth. But as often as he could, he made Capernaum his home base. Now, the synagogue, and there's beautiful ruins of the synagogue where Jesus is teaching in Capernaum. We have several accounts in Scripture where he teaches in that particular synagogue. And right outside the synagogue, hi Dennis, thanks for joining in today. Right outside the synagogue, you see uh, is the ruins of Peter's uh, 
mother-in-law's house. So uh, there's a giant uh, statue of Peter there in Capernaum because uh, it was kind of a fishing village and Peter and James and John used that as kind of a headquarters for their fishing business. And uh, so we're, we're looking at the synagogue setting and the house. It literally, you step out of the steps of the synagogue in what was probably just a block, you know, less than a block of what we would think of as a few lots away would be uh, actually uh, Simon's mother-in-law's home. Good morning, Dennis. Thanks. Um, so they're right there next to each other. And I've been in both of them. And it's an amazing feeling to be in the setting where you're at. So Sabbath, it is the Sabbath. That means it's during the day on Saturday. It's probably Saturday afternoon. And Jesus is in Sabbath, in synagogue Sabbath service, like he always is. And he's teaching. And then we see he goes to his mother-in-law's house afterwards, probably for a meal. That was kind of the tradition, to go to, to, go to Sabbath synagogue service and then go home for a meal and, and have fellowship. And it's not unlike what we do today. You know, we go to church and then we want to go home and, and fellowship or go out. Now today's go out to eat, but, but in the homes, of course, in those days. So as they're gathering, uh, verse 31 tells us he went down to Capernaum. So he's right there down to the sea, right after he leaves Nazareth. After, remember, he left Nazareth miraculously because they had grabbed a hold of him, took him to the top of a hill, and we're going to throw him to his death. We see a stark contrast in the way the people of Nazareth treated Jesus and the way the people of Capernaum treat Jesus. So why does the scripture always tell us this phrase, and it was on the Sabbath? Jesus was teaching on the Sabbath. I'm, I'm going to just throw that out as a question. If anyone wants to take a chance at an answer, go ahead and type it in there. I don't want you to, don't be afraid of getting the wrong answer. Nobody's going to, there are no wrong answers. We're just trying to learn here. Uh, but uh, if you if you have a thought, throw it on uh, a comment there. Why does, regardless of who's writing the gospel writer, why did they always start, and it was on the Sabbath? And Jesus, many of his miracles happen on the Sabbath. Do you have any thoughts on why? Some of the, some of the most uh, common thoughts and answers that we might receive on a question like that is, is because there was so much in the Mosaic Law about what you could not do on the Sabbath that uh, to, to do this might seem like breaking the Sabbath law and Jesus was kind of a, uh, seen by the people as kind of a rebel breaking the Sabbath law and doing what the Sabbath said you shouldn't do. But yet that's not even uh, totally accurate. Cindy's got a comment here. Would it be because no work was to be done on the Sabbath? That's a great comment. That's typically what we would think of, Cindy. You're, you're right. People tend to think that no work could be done on the Sabbath. But yet in reality, healing, what Jesus is doing here is healing. Healing was not considered work. Life-saving measures could be taken. Um, Sylvia said uh, to honor the Sabbath. That's a great point to honor the Sabbath. And, and I think we're getting closer to the, the, the true answer. And, I'm, and again, I'm not the Bible scholar that comes up with all this, but I want to I give you some of the ancient church fathers. I always like to do that in this study. And it is St. Ambrose of Milan, bishop of the church in Milan in the fourth century, uh, had a lot to say about this passage in his commentaries on Luke. And I think he brings out the the most correct answer. And listen to this. Ambrose says that Luke describes the work of divine healing begun on the Sabbath day to show from the outset that the new creation began where the old creation ceased. He showed us that the Son of God is not under the law, but above the law and that the law will not be destroyed, but fulfilled. For the world was not made through the law, but by the word. As we read, and he quotes Psalm 33, by the word of the Lord were the heavens established. 
Thus the law is not destroyed, but fulfilled, so that the renewal of humankind, which is already in error, may occur. He fittingly began on the Sabbath, that he may show himself as creator. Wow, I love that thought from St. Ambrose. I was like you. I'm thinking, well, he's just trying to honor the Sabbath. You, you can't work. And he's showing them that really good healing, good things you can work in, in Christ's name. And uh, so I think I saw Sandra joining us and Ellen joining us. Thank you for joining in today. Uh, I think this is a, an amazing point. The old creation, the old order, ceased its work on the Sabbath and God rested. And so Jesus is ushering in the new order. The new creation. Jesus says, Behold, I have come to make all things new. And in ushering in the new order, Jesus begins where the old one leaves off. And he shows that he is creator. There's nothing that he cannot do, including miraculous healing. So he does, on the Sabbath, things that are totally unconventional to them and and just shows himself to be the creator. Now, he gets quite a reaction because this is a fascinating passage as we look at it. Um, it, it says here, uh, he was teaching on the Sabbath. So before he even does this miracle, he's teaching. And it says they were astonished at his teaching for his word was with authority. So when the people heard Jesus teaching, it sounded different than any other rabbi. And I can imagine why that is, because Jesus, Jesus probably used, uh, rather than always quoting some great rabbi or talking about something, he spoke as God would speak, because he's God. And the people are just amazed, astonished. They've never heard anyone preach with such authority. I mean, can you imagine, like the authority of last week in, in the synagogue in Nazareth, Today, this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing, he said. I mean, he just proclaims himself God and Lord. Uh, it's amazing. And then in the middle of this synagogue service, there is this man that has an unclean spirit. Now, the unclean spirit, Luke is very careful here to say the spirit of an unclean demon. Because in the Greek culture, he very well could have had a spirit. I mean, they talked about having spirits, but Luke wants to be sure it's a demon. He wants us to know it's a demon. And Ellen, thank you so much for that comment. I, I, I just uh, love teaching the Word of God. Uh, it's my passion. So thanks for joining in and listening. And I'm not. Uh, I'm, I'm humbled by your by your thanks there. So this unclean demon cries out. Here, here this was fascinating. This unclean demon cries out. And, and as I was reading it, I, you know, I was trying to be a little dramatic there. I can't imagine, but apparently it was extremely dramatic because the word here, there, you see in your, in your versions, it says in verse 34, it's just, ah, you know, A-H exclamation point. Maybe some of yours have something else. I'm using the revised standard as I always do for, for Bible teaching. Uh, but if yours says something different, type it in the comments. I'd love to know what yours says. Just verse 34, where it starts out, ah, A-H exclamation point. Because the word here in, in Greek, it's just a two-letter word. It's E-A, okay? And it's an exclamation that literally means, leave me alone. Leave us alone. That's, that's what that means, this, this shriek by this uh, demon. And, and then it says the demon speaks. It says, uh, what have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Calls him by his name given name, Jesus of Nazareth. And he says, have you come to destroy us? Now, that pronoun there, us, in the Greek is actually the emphatic I. And, and there's an empirical sense in which this demon is recognizing that he's in front of God, the Lord, whom even the demon knows has been prophesied to come and destroy them in the end and is in fear. Have you come to destroy us? Meaning to put an end to all 
the evil in the world and to to do what the prophecies say, that Messiah will come and usher in the new era, the new age of peace, the peaceable kingdom. And immediately um, he says, he ends that the, the last words of the demon here, he says, I know who you are, the Holy One of God. So this, uh, this I, I think that this, this demon is is giving away too much of the story. I mean, he's he's talking a lot in front of everybody, and Jesus shuts him up. Uh, Jesus, it says, rebukes him, saying, "Be silent, come out of him." Be two commands: be silent, and come out of him. And of course, we know it tells us here that the demon throws this person down. But it also looks careful to comment it did not hurt the person. So in the healing given by Christ, there's no harm done to this individual. Um, and then it says they're all amazed. Verse 36, they are all amazed and they say to one another, what is this word? For with authority and power, he commands the unclean spirits and they come out. They've never seen this done this way before. Now, there's probably been healings of people with spirits before. But you see, there's something different about the way Jesus heals. Think it through with me. If you and I want to pray for someone's healing, if we, if we want to heal someone, let's, let, even if I say I have the gift of healing, and I don't, but let's say I do, and, and I'm holding a healing service, and and someone comes forward for healing or I'm in, in their presence. And I mean, what, am, what are the things I'm likely going to do? I'm, I'm going to maybe uh, lay hands on them. And we're going to talk about that towards the end of this passage because Jesus does that. But not in this case with this demon, he doesn't. But I'm also going to pray. I'm going to pray for God to heal this person. That's what's always been done. There's, in the case of unclean spirits, this is called an exorcism. And believe it or not, I know that the, the movie The Exorcist made, brought that into pop culture back in the 70s. I can remember when that came out. I was too young to go see it at the theater. I did see it later, unfortunately. Horrible movie. Um, but it, it, I can remember reports of people, they said people were running out of the theaters and, and scared to death and all kinds of stuff. And and, and I, honestly, it's kind of a cheesy made movie. I, I find it hard to believe that really happened, but, but I'm sure it did. But the problem is that there were these services called exorcism, and the Jews had their exorcism services. And Christians still have exorcism services. But those exorcism services are filled with prayers. It is through prayer that the demon is prayed out and released by the power of God. Now, not so with Jesus. Jesus, it's by his word. I command you, come out. Jesus doesn't pray. He doesn't have to pray. He's God. They've never seen this before. Uh, it, it, and, and it tells you that they are amazed. Verse 36, it says they were all amazed. And this word amazed is, 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 is an interesting word. It literally means, let's see if I can find it in my notes for you here because I don't like to look down all that often, and I just lost my place. But there is a, there's a Greek word here. It's called ekpleso, ekpleso, E-K-P-L-E-S-S-O, ekpleso. And what it means is to be wholly and completely dumbfounded. Not just amazed, like we use that word, oh, wow, that's amazing. Isn't that amazing? Wow, that's amazing. No, this is so dumbfounded that they're practically speechless. They, they, they don't know what to do. They don't know what to say, except we've never seen this before. How can this be? And, and it says then in verse 37, and reports of him went into every place in the surrounding region. So all around Galilee and then even into other regions around that area, Samaria, down into Judea, the word of Jesus and his ministry in Galilee, which has been filled with miracles, and amazing teachings is spreading like wildfire. Now, again, the Greek is more clear here. In verse 37, it says, and reports here. I don't know what yours says, uh, but 
it, it says here, and John has joined us. Thanks, John. Glad to have you in today on study. This word in the Greek in verse 37 that is reports, interestingly enough, this is the same word. It's in the in the Greek, let me give you the word. It's it's um it, it's the word echos. Echos, or it's actually pronounced echos, I think. E-C-H-O-S, which we think of as echo, okay? But in Greek the E is an A sound, echos, okay? Um, and it literally means noise. So noise about Jesus is going out, not just reports. And interestingly enough, it's the same word used in Acts chapter 2, verse 2, when it says that the sound or the noise, if you will, of a mighty rushing wind filled the room in the upper room on the day of Pentecost. Same word. So this isn't just a report. You know, we can just issue a report. Here's my report. Turn in your report. No, this is noise. This is this is traveling through the countryside like wildfire. People are amazed, overwhelmed, dumbfounded. This has never happened. Somebody with authority and power is is casting out demons left and right, is literally breaking what we think are sabbath laws and speaking like they're god could it be that this is the messiah that's what's happening all around the area so it's been quite a day at the synagogue hasn't it amazing teaching by jesus seeing a demon possessed person healed uh wow well when the service is over they go it says in verse 38 he arose and left the synagogue and entered Simon's house. And they didn't have to travel far, like I said earlier. Across the street, practically, is Simon's home where his mother-in-law is. And uh, it says that she's ill with a high fever. Now, if you read this story in Mark, it just says that she has a fever. But Luke is a doctor. And Luke makes a careful note here. It's a high fever. And, in fact, there's a the word here in the Greek is megas. Mega. You know, we think of something's mega, it's big, right? Megas. This is a mega fever. She is really, really sick. If you have a mega fever, I mean, you don't get up and do things. I mean, it wipes you out. You, you lay there and you sweat and you chill and you, you, you just, you, you can't hardly get out of bed. I mean, at some point, your body's, your body's not functioning. That's where she's at. And so it says that they, they besought Jesus for her. They, they said, Jesus, please come and heal her. And here it says that he stood over her and he rebuked the fever. Doesn't say that he touched her. We don't really know why he's standing over her, but I think it's because he wanted her to look at him and see the presence of God's power rebuking the fever, the, the illness, the sickness. So God has authority not only over demon spirits, but sickness and disease. And it leaves her just like that. In fact, we know it's just like that because it tells us right here that it says it left her and immediately she rose up and served them. Well, I mean, I've gotten better from a fever before, you know, that, you know, when it finally breaks, it takes a while for your energy to come back after you've been sick with fever. And not her. I mean, they're coming after Sabbath service. She would have been expected to have a meal for them and to serve them. And that's exactly what she does. She just gets, she is healed as if, She'd never been sick. Restored to health with the word of God. With one word, leave, Jesus said to that sickness. I, this is powerful. So what, why are we reading these stories? Why are these included in the gospel? They're included in the gospel for our, for our benefit to, to be able to really see just who Jesus is. You see, because we didn't grow up seeing Jesus do miracles. We didn't grow up listening to Jesus teach in the synagogue. 
We grew up, many of us, just accepting Jesus because he was taught to us, you know, from little on, hey, there's a God in this world and that God is Jesus. And we go to church and we worship Jesus. But we want to embrace the real person and 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 deity that Jesus Christ is. And his word has power and authority. And Sylvia has a comment here. We were, we were privileged in Minnesota to have at one time a missionary from Africa, born in Africa, to missionary parents, and himself became a missionary, now a pastor in the U.S., and he would not ever speak of the demons in Africa, which he saw often, because he didn't want to give glory to the demons by telling their stories. Thanks for throwing that point out there, Silva. That, Sylvia, that is really good. Uh, because that is, ex I think that's really what's happening here. Jesus is not letting those demons speak. Not because he doesn't want people to know he's God. Clearly his, his actions show that he's God. But he's not going to allow darkness any glory. He's not even going to allow darkness the glory of testifying that he's God. That's, that's pretty powerful. I, I think that's really wise. I, I, I've never met a missionary who's been around uh, actual demon possession and the exorcism of those demons. But I've heard secondhand accounts of those things. And you've met this pastor. I think that is a powerful comment. Thank you for bringing that in. Because Jesus truly is not. You, you know, in Jesus' ministry, one of the things, and we'll hear it as we continue in Luke, one of the things that we hear a lot is Jesus would often say to people, we know we mean to heal them. He would say to people, now, don't go tell anybody I did this. And that always kind of made me think, I wonder, wonder why he did that. I mean, wouldn't you want to just tell? And usually people go out, and that's the first thing they do. They just go tell everyone. Um, but, but Jesus' word was don't. And that's different than what he's doing to the, the, uh, the demon here. He's telling the demon, you don't speak because you don't have any right to speak. And you're not going to testify to my glory. And I think he's teaching us in that moment in time that we never, ever should listen to a demon. A demon spirit. An unclean spirit. Unclean spirits are all around us in this world. There are such things as demons. Evil spirits are the minions of Satan. They are angelic beings cast out of heaven, and they are alive and active in our world. And they try to influence us, even us, even Christians. Yes, they try to influence us. Now, I want to stop and say a word about demon possession here. I want to give you a teaching. I usually give this teaching when I'm in the book of 1 John, but I want to say it here because I think it's important. As a Christian believer, do not fear being possessed by a demon. You cannot be. Let me rephrase that. You, a Christian believer, cannot be possessed by a demon spirit. Why do I say that? Because darkness and light cannot co-inhabit the same space. Okay? And if you are truly in Christ Jesus, you're in the light and you're filled with the light. Now, you can be oppressed by a demon or an unclean spirit. You can be bothered and oppressed and led astray. And if you toy with that spirit long enough, you can leave the spirit of God and give yourself over. That's certainly happened way too often. But but you can't, it's not, you're not going to be accidentally, that's where that movie The Exorcist is crazy. Here's this innocent girl gets overtaken by a demon. Like that demon has the power to go take over anybody he wants. No, he doesn't. Um, so remember that. Don't live in fear of being demon possessed. That's not going to happen to you. But listen to, Je listen to Jesus. His authority will not let those demons speak. Now, why does he say it to other people, like the people that he heals along the way? Don't go tell anyone what I did. Because, and this is what I think most theologians have called the messianic secret. Jesus is Messiah. But you and I, those people in there, they weren't going to recognize him as Messiah. They were going to recognize him as some great miracle worker. 
but not as a Messiah because they couldn't until he was risen. Until after the cross, the death and resurrection of Christ and the giving of the Holy Spirit, then we can believe. Then they would understand all that had happened as Jesus filled the minds of the two men on uh, telling the story on the way, on the road to Emmaus. It was only post-resurrection and especially post-Pentecost when Jesus had promised the, the disciples, I will ask the Father, he will send you the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, and he will guide you into all truth that they would raise. So the Messianic secret was not because Jesus just didn't want anybody to know. If he didn't want anybody to know, he wouldn't have done what he did. He wouldn't have come. But because they couldn't have really known who he was. And remember, he's always guarding against the time. He didn't let them throw him off the hill to die in Nazareth either because it wasn't the right time. We know that especially in Galilee, but in all of uh, Israel, the Roman colony of Israel, that it was... It was given to political upheaval. They were a problem area for the Roman Empire, especially Galilee. And uh, there were lots of uprisings, political insurrection. And Jesus knew that. And he knew that these people, if they really believed Messiah was here, their concept of Messiah was a concept of a political king. And he hasn't ministered long enough for them to get the story that my kingdom is not of this world. And, and so that is... Another reason why he's saying, don't go tell. It's not time for that kind of uprising. It's just not. There's, it's never going to be time for that kind of uprising because I'm going to die on a cross is what this ministry is all about. And then my kingdom of the Father is coming in a spiritual kingdom, not a physical kingdom. So lots there. So let's come back to our text here. Um, He's healed Peter's mother-in-law. She rises and serves them. And now we've got one more section here that we want to talk about this morning. And that is the, the sun is setting. What does that tell us? Now the sun is setting. So now Sabbath has ended. It ends at sundown. And it says, all those who had any who were sick came to see him at Peter's mother-in-law's house. At Peter's house. So, so many of them from all over town Okay, they probably, they, they, they had to wait till after sundown because they couldn't travel that far. Uh, they couldn't walk that far. It was work on Sabbath to walk very far. They had a measured number of steps they could take. Um, so I guess the point was, uh, in this setting, it's sundown. And I mean, the day's over. I mean, I'm sure in, the, in his humanity, Jesus is tired and everyone else is. And here comes the crowd, the crowd of people coming to the house. And they all want to be healed. They're sick. They have disease. It tells us they even have unclean spirits. Uh, so let's look at that passage again. It says that they came with various diseases and brought them to him. And this time it says, and he laid his hands upon every one and healed them. Rhonda, hi, it's good to see you on here. Why does... Why does Jesus here lay his hands on them and sometimes just speak a word and they're healed? So again, we're looking, Luke is teaching us about Christ's power and authority. So we know that he has the power to rebuke an illness. He did it with Peter's mother-in-law. He didn't need to touch her to heal her. We know he has the power to, with just the power of a word to, to throw out a demon why does he take, in the midst of this long evening, after a long day, time to lay hands on every single one of them? And who knows how many there were, but I'll bet it was a lot. I mean, can you imagine in a village or a town like this? And remember, there are probably uh, more than 15,000 people in this community. We know that. Uh, could have well been, Capernaum was one of the larger ones. Could have been 20,000, 30,000 people living there at the time. And... Can you imagine how many sick people there were? Even if your knee hurt or your elbow, I mean, hey, Jesus can heal you. Let's go over to Jesus. I mean, everybody's coming to him. And it says he took time to lay his hands on every one of them and healed them. That's another question I'll throw out. We've got some good dialogue going today. Thanks for putting in some comments and dialogue. What do you think? 
Why did Jesus take time to lay his hands on them? Why is Luke so careful to give us that detail? Coffee break here for just a second. Mm. It's good even when it's cold. Still good. Good coffee. Any thoughts? Anybody want to type in a thought there? Why did he take time to actually lay hands on every one of them? Pausing just to give you time to type a point in there. You don't have to. It's okay. Let me tell you why I think. Luke is showing us that Jesus as God has time for every one of our needs and every person who has a need. Individual attention. Jesus gave them individual attention because that's what our God does. Jesus could have stood at the front door and said, God bless y'all, be healed, go home. But he didn't do that. Jesus took the time to lay his hands on every single one of them and bless them. Personalize the healing, Dennis typed in. Yes, yes, yes. Personalize the healing. In the history of healing, uh, again, kind of like exorcisms, healings had always been about praying for healing. And it was not, the laying on of hands was not associated in the Old Testament. The laying on of hands was not associated with healing. Prayers offered up were associated with it. What were the, does anyone know what, what the laying on of hands were in the Old Testament? And they were associated with something. Does anyone know what that was? I'll give you time for a comment here too on, on the question. Does anyone know in the Old Testament what was the laying on of hands symbolically used for? It might be a lag time in the time you type it in and the time it appears on my screen. Uh, Dennis got that one came up a little bit later, but any, any thoughts? Let me tell you what it is. If you haven't figured it out, because it's beautiful. It's absolutely beautiful. The laying on of hands symbolizes blessing. Blessing. Passing on a blessing. I, you know, when, when uh, the Old Testament, when, when, uh, when Samuel anointed the king, David would lay hands upon him. And... Uh, Consecration of a pastor, Sylvia puts. Yes, yes. So ordination of a pastor, okay? It happens through the laying on of hands. A blessing from God, a grace from God is being passed through and infused. Even the fathers of the patriarchs, you know, when they would pass on their, their blessing at the end of their lives, to when they were dying, they would lay hands upon their son. And pass that blessing along. So there, there is a comment here by another church father that I think is worthy of taking note too. And that's by um, Saint, I think it's Saint Cyril, maybe. Let's see in my notes. I had it in my notes. Saint Cyril. Holy flesh, he calls it Saint Cyril, yeah. Let's see what page I have it on here. Um, maybe I can't find it. Sure wanted to read it to you. That's what I get for not circling it better and putting it on my notes. Uh, but what St. Cyril of Alexandria says is that he calls Jesus' flesh the holy flesh. Isn't that beautiful? The holy flesh of God touching these people? Wow. I mean, that's pretty amazing. Chip, thanks for joining in this morning. The hand of God touched them and passed on the blessing. A blessing. So you can't be touched by the hand of God and not be healed. And, and I mean, what an amazing concept. What an amazing thought. And, and today, you know, how does that happen today? How are we blessed by the holy hand of God. 
That's, it's metaphorical in our sense because we don't have Jesus physically to lay his hands on us. But yet we do. We do have him through the spiritual inhabitation of holy men and women, the ministry of, of healing, the ministry of touch. A doctor in the, in the finest, maybe purest sense can't bring healing until he touches the person with the scalpel or whatever it is or to reset the bone you get the point, or to apply the salve, or, or whatever it is. The great physician now touches us through us, the men and women that he has called to be his ministers. And truly, that's all of us. I mean, some of us are ordained, some of us aren't, but we're all ministers, okay? And we all have, by the power of the indwelling Spirit of God within us, not only the ability, but the obligation to touch other people. This is another thing that's so difficult about this pandemic time of crisis when we're not supposed to touch anybody. We're supposed to stay six feet away from everyone. It's challenging because there is so much of love that is given through the embrace, the holy kiss of scriptural times. Um, the, the laying on of hands, all these things. Now, I, I want to make a comment here. I, I just want to speak into the pain of your lives. We've been, what, four full months of this quarantine time or this isolation time, something like that. It's four, four going on five months. March, April, May, June, July. Yeah, five months. So here... This is not God's plan. And I do not believe this will last. I don't believe the new normal is always being isolated, never being able to shake hands, never being able to hug someone, unless they're your own family. And, and think about that. I mean, they're your own family. I mean, there's so much that is so inconsistent about what we do today with these, with these isolation rules. Um, well, if you're with your own family, you can sit together. But you know, the reality is your family's been outside and going different places, and they could carry it too. I mean, it just it doesn't make sense. But I know we're trying to be obedient. We're trying to be loving. And so we want to do these things. And I do. I keep my distance. I put a mask on, put a glove on in order to administrate Holy Communion. And but But I want you to not miss. This is not God's new normal for us. This is... This is, this is a hard time in our world, but this too shall pass. This do, they will find treatments. They will get past all of this time of, uh, this is not the end of the world. I don't know when the end of the world is coming, and you don't either. Only Jesus says only the Father does. But this is not it. There's always been disease. There's always been pestilence. There's always been wars. There's always been rumors of wars. There's always been earthquakes. And, and Jesus does not want us to sit around and speculate and worry, is this the end of the world? It's not what he wants us to do. He wants us to get up and live. And so right now we have to get up and live with masks on and, and isolation. But you know what? We're going to get past it. So as much as Satan wants to use this time to depress people, and my goodness, people are getting depressed. This is hard. Our, especially our elderly who are really isolated and can't see and hug their families. I mean, this is just, it's, it's hard. It's hard. But, but you know what? There's nothing too hard for God. And so, so let's discuss as we close for a moment here. Wow, I'm already at 11.53. Sorry, I'm getting long-winded today. A couple of thoughts as we close. How do we get past this pandemic? And I, I'm not trying to get political with you at all. I, I, do be, I, don't, I don't believe that it's going to end up being as bad in retrospect as everyone thought it was or is. Certainly it's real. And Lord have mercy on all who have died and those who are struggling even now. And it's horrible, yes. But there's many horrible diseases that happen in humanity. And Dennis said, Travis and Allie had their baby boy Tuesday going home today. They think Josiah 
Alan Bacon, seven pounds, 10 ounces. Praise the Lord. What a beautiful, joyous occasion in the midst of all this time. That is beautiful. Thanks for sharing that. So how do we get past this? Jesus gives us the answer right here. How do we get past it? When will it pass? Let's look at what Jesus did. It said after he was through with this long day, look at the last few verses. It says he went and he departed into a lonely place. And even there, the people sought him. So different from Nazareth. They would, Nazareth wanted to kill him. Capernaum wants to keep him. And he says, I must go. I must go. He went to a lonely place because he needed to retreat to time of prayer and solitude. Spiritual disciplines of Jesus and that we must have. Prayer and solitude. And in that prayer and solitude, he is, regener- he is re-energized and he tells the people, I have a mission. And that mission is to go preach the good news of the gospel. And I must go. And that's why he was sent. And that's why we are sent. You and I, our purpose in life, we didn't choose to be born, but we're here. And we need to choose our purpose. Our purpose in life is to take up the gospel of Jesus Christ and to share that good news, to live that good news, not just share it, because sharing it doesn't always mean anything if your life doesn't accompany it, if the people, if you you don't look and seem believable. But to be Christ in this world, to love others as we've been loved. And, And so this is how we get past this. We get past this pandemic by prayer and obedience, by trusting and obeying, okay? Trust and obey, the old hymn, trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. We need to trust that God is at work. God is still at work. Even when you look and say, I don't see any answer. I don't see any. You know what? I heard reports this week. They are getting really, there's several companies very close to vaccines and their trials are progressing. And I know there's some other news commentators saying, oh, those aren't working, that's not working. You know what? There's a political agenda behind everything when you're listening to the news. So don't don't just buy into everything you hear in the news. But understand, God is at work. God is at work. There are, there are scientists, there are researchers, there are tests going on. And I believe we will find a vaccine. And I believe we will find treatments. There are treatments already working. We're just not hearing about them. In every place, they're working. So again, the death rate is very, very, very small at this point. And we must stay the course. We must have hope. We must trust and obey. So if you're in pain today because you're depressed, if you're in pain today because you're lonely, if you're in pain today because you're hurting, physically or spiritually, emotionally, God is with us. He has not left us. And he is still able to heal you with his holy hands. So right now, as I close this time with prayer, thank you for coming to Bible study today. Thank you. But as I close this time today, I offer you my hands as the hands of Christ as the hands of blessing. Not my hands, but his hands. Will you pray with me? Father God, in these very moments, thank you for your spirit inhabiting our time of study. Thank you for guiding and teaching us. Cover over anything I've said that's wrong. Do not let anyone be misled or led astray. But God, through your Holy Spirit, right through the medium of Facebook Live, into the homes and the hearts or the cars or the places, wherever anyone is viewing this, whenever anyone views this, bring a healing touch. Bring it now, Lord Jesus. Heal emotions, heal physical pains, heal spirits, and, and uplift spirits so that we will pray for an end to this virus. Pray for the cures to this virus. Pray for the treatments to this virus. Pray for the researchers of this virus. Pray for the wisdom for leaders that that need to lead us through it. 
Oh God, pray for the the, the doctors and the nurses and the, and the servants and the people in the nursing homes and all who are the front line of this, of this war. We hold them up with your holy hands of prayer, your holy hands of blessing. We pray this now in the strong name of Jesus Christ, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God forever and ever and unto the ages of ages. And all God's people said, amen, amen. Amen. God bless you. Thank you so much for coming today. Hey, you can just keep typing and put in more comments. I'll check them as I got to go to work now. But uh, I love your comments today. Thank you for the dialogue. Let's keep it going. God bless you.